For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the themes of the Feast of Trumpets. This is part two of the series. Now let's look at repentance and what true repentance is. True repentance is an inner change of heart which leads the sinner to turn from evil and return unto the God of Israel. The desires to do good is constantly opposed to the desire to do evil. The desire to do evil is known in Jewish thinking and is referred to as the evil inclination. It is called in Hebrew the Yetzer Hara. Christians refer to the evil evil inclination as the desires of the flesh. True repentance then is a change of heart and the scripture talks about when our hearts are far from the God of Israel we have a stony heart and so a stony heart is associated with the evil inclination or the desires of the flesh which seek to do the desires of the flesh and get caught up with the things of the world and the world system and lose focus on our covenant relationship with the God of Israel and putting his kingdom first and accepting Yeshua in our heart in our lives. So that is contrasted to a heart of flesh, which is a soft heart, which seeks to obey the God of Israel and obey his commandment. Now let's look at Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, where Paul describes the struggle and this wrestling that we have where our heart wants to do good, but our flesh wants to prevent us from doing so. In Romans chapter 7, verse 14, it says, For we we know that the Torah is spiritual. See, the Torah is spiritual. The word of the God of Israel is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. You can think of this as an association with the evil inclination. For that which I do, I allow not. For that what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that is, that which I don't want to do, which comes from the evil inclination, that is what my flesh sometimes does. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now, then, it is no more I that do it. It's not my good desire, the part of me that wants to obey the God of Israel, but it's sin. It's the evil inclination or the fleshly desires that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh or the evil inclination, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good, that is the good nature that I would want to do, I do not. But the evil inclination, which I would not, that is what I often do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is not me that does it, but it's 
sin that is pulling and pushing, the evil inclination that dwells in me. I find then a law or the evil inclination that when I would do good or want to do good, that the evil inclination is still present within me in drawing me away from doing good. But he says this is the solution to the struggle, Romans 7.22. For I delight in the Torah of God after the inward man. And what's the inward man? That is the man that has the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to overcome the flesh or the evil inclination. Romans chapter 7, verse 23 through 25, but I see another law, that is the evil inclination in my members, warring against the law of my mind, that is the part of me that wants to serve God, and bringing me into captivity to the law or the evil inclination of sin, which is in my body or my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death. Now in Romans 7.22 he says he delights in the Torah of God after the inward man and so that is the solution to the problem. What goes along with that is the solution is Romans 7.25. I thank God through Yeshua HaMashiach so then with my mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin. So it is through Messiah and it is through the indwelling Holy Spirit where we are able to overcome the sin nature. There are three primary levels of sin or wrongdoing. The Bible describes these levels. It refers to them as transgressions, sins, and iniquity. Normally, in traditional Christianity, we just view that if we do wrong, then that's sin. We just got one term for it. But the Bible classifies sin according to transgressions, sins, and iniquities. We're going to look to see the differentiation between them. In Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7 it says and the Lord passed by before him that is Moses and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity transgressions and sin. Those are the three categories. What is sin? Sin is the Hebrew word hata which means missing the mark or any wayward action due to carelessness, ignorance, or error. It just means I missed the mark. I didn't do what I should have done. It may have been out of ignorance or it may have been out of my own errors. Iniquity is the Hebrew word avon. And avon means crookedness or departure from right conduct by consciously departing from doing what the God of Israel would want me to do, keeping his commandments. So I know I shouldn't do it, but I do it anyhow. Transgression in Hebrew is Pasha, and this is absolute total rebellion and deliberate persistence of rebellion. Sin, missing the mark, iniquity, I'm making a decision not to do right, but transgression is I'm making the decision and I am rebellious and I'm going to do it and I don't care what the consequences are. We can be forgiven of these levels of sin. David proclaimed those who are blessed by the God of Israel, whose transgression sins and iniquities are forgiven. In Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 and verse 5 it is written, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity hath
have I not hid? I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave my iniquity of my sin. Notice the key is confessing your sins and acknowledging your guilt before the God of Israel. It is the shedding of blood that atones for our sin. In Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, it is written, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. We are saved or redeemed or become a member of the family of the God of Israel through Yeshua the Messiah by his shed blood and accepting him into our hearts and our lives and making him the Lord of our lives. Romans chapter 3 verses 24 and 25 it says being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Yeshua HaMashiach which God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. We can also see this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 as it says in whom we have redemption through his blood that is Yeshua's blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Then we are told that in the new covenant we can be forgiven of our sins by faith in Yeshua and in his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 16 and 17 it is written. This is the covenant or the renewed covenant that I will make with them after those days says the Lord. I will put my Torah into their hearts and in their minds will I write them quoting from Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more quoting from Jeremiah 31 34. There are three primary steps of repenting from our sins. The first step is confession. It is taught by the rabbis that the moment a man is willing to see himself as he is and make the confession, I have sinned, that the powers of the evil inclination or the flesh lose their control over him. So step number one is to confess your sins. Our sins are laid upon Yeshua. In Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6 it is written, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him, Yeshua, the iniquity of us all. Yeshua bore our sins when he died on the tree. First Peter chapter 2 verses 24 and 25 it is written, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed, for you were as sheep going astray. We need to confess our sins unto the God of Israel. If we do this and trust in the shed blood of Yeshua to forgive us of our sins, we will be cleansed of our sins. In 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 through 9 it is written, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The second step of repentance is to have 
have remorse for your sin. The full realization of the seriousness of sin before the God of Israel should ultimately bring sorrow and remorse from the sinner toward the God of Israel for the sin that he has committed against the God of Israel. The third step of repentance is that we show that we truly have remorse by taking corrective action. Confession and remorse is not real unless it is followed by a solemn resolve not to repeat the sin. Reparation and reconciliation are the true tests of our sincerity to take corrective action against the sins that we have committed. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly harden. Those whose sins are forgiven by the God of Israel through the shed blood of Yeshua on the tree are commanded in the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament also to forsake their sinful ways. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His, and let everyone that names the name of Messiah, Yeshua, depart from iniquity. And summarizing the season of Teshuva, the season of Teshuva is associated with the blowing of the shofar to prepare our hearts and to warn us that the judgment day of the God of Israel is coming upon us and we need to examine our lives and repent of our sins and we look inward to see those areas where we can improve our life and our walk under the God of Israel. One of the themes of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, it is seen as being the birthday of the world. How is this so? Rosh Hashanah in Hebrew means the head of the year. Rosh in Hebrew means head. Shanah in Hebrew means year. Therefore, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. And actually, it's the beginning of the year in the biblical civil calendar because the God of Israel established in Exodus chapter 12 as the month of Passover, Aviv or Nisan, as the beginning of month, which would make this the seventh month of what is called the religious calendar. According to Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world or when the world was created, and this is in the Talmud in Rosh Hashanah 11a. According to Jewish tradition, Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah. This is in the Talmud in Sanhedrin 38b. How do the rabbis teach that it was determined that Rosh Hashanah was the day that the world was created? The first word in the book of Genesis, Breshit, which is translated in English, in the beginning, when rearranged, the letters being rearranged in Hebrew spells Aleph Betishrei, which means in Hebrew, the first of Tishrei. Therefore, tradition tells us that the world was created at this time. Now, if we look at Breshit in Hebrew, which means in the beginning, if you rearrange the letters and you put the Aleph at the beginning, followed by the Bet, and then you have the Tav, the Shin, the Resh, and the Yod, that this spells Aleph the Tishrei, or the first of Tishrei, rearranging the Hebrew word Breshit. So the rabbis deduce from that that the world was created on the first of Tishrei. Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, is also known 
as Yom Hadin, or the Day of Judgments. There are 12 months in the year, and there are 12 tribes of Israel. Every month of the year has its representative tribe. The seventh month, or the month of Tishrei, is associated with the tribe of Dan. The rabbis teach that this has symbolic significance because of the words spoken by Rachel, the wife of Jacob, after Dan was born to Rachel's maid Bilhah. Genesis chapter 30 verse 6 says, And Rachel said, God has judged me, which in Hebrew is Danini, and he has also heard my voice and has given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan, because God has judged me. Tishrei is the time of judgment, and judgment is associated with scales, and scales is the symbol for the tribe of Dan. The rabbis teach that Dan and Dean, this day being known as Yom Hadin, the day of judgment, are both derived from the same Hebrew root. Dan and Dean both contain the Hebrew D, which is a Dalit, and N, which is a Nun, symbolizing that Tishrei is the time of divine judgment and forgiveness. Every month in Hebrew has its sign of the Zodiac, and the sign of the Zodiac for the month of Tishrei is scales. So therefore, the rabbis link this month in this season as being the day of judgment or the time of judgment. Yom Teruah Rosh Hashanah is called Yom Hadin or the day of judgment because it is seen that on this day the God of Israel sits in court and all men pass before him to be judged. We can see a reference to this in Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 as it is written. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair on his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Because it says the judgment was set, this is seen as being Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. According to Jewish tradition, there are three books that are opened on Rosh Hashanah. We can find this in Rosh Hashanah 6b. The Pharisees of the school of Shammai teach that there will be three classes in the final day of judgment. One class is the holy righteous, one is the holy wicked, and one are the intermediate. The holy righteous are at once inscribed and sealed for the world to come, the Alam Haba, or eternity. The holy wicked are inscribed and sealed for perdition. This is found in the Talmud in Rosh Hashanah 16b and 17a. Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is known as Yom HaZikaron or the Day of Remembrance. In Leviticus chapter 23 verse 24, the God of Israel specified that Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah is to be a memorial and the word in Hebrew is a Zekaron. Leviticus 23:24 says, Speak unto the children of Israel saying in the seventh month in the first day of the month you shall have a Sabbath a memorial the word is Zikaron you shall have a remembrance of blowing of trumpet a holy convocation there are two primary elements and 
aspects of remembered in Scripture. One is the Scripture tells us that the God of Israel remembers us. And secondly, we are to remember the God of Israel. On Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, Jewish tradition teaches that the God of Israel opens a book called the Book of Remembrance and rewards the righteous for their good deeds on behalf of what they did for the sake of the kingdom of the God of Israel. We can see this in Malachi chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 as it is written. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another and the Lord hearkened and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine says the Lord of hosts in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked between him that serves God and him that does not serve God. How do we remember the God of Israel? We do so by keeping his commandments. And that is how we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The children of Israel are commanded by the God of Israel to wear fringes on the borders of their garment for the purpose of remembering to love him and to obey his commandments. This is found in Numbers chapter 15 verses 37 through 40 as it is written. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you used to go a whoring that you remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur this period of time is called the High Holy Days. The days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are called the Yamim Noraim or the Days of Awe. What is the spiritual meaning and application of the days of awe? Let's first look at the personal application of this time of the year. The days of awe have two very significant spiritual applications. The first is personal and the second is prophetic. Personally, these days are to remind us that Yom Kippur is fast approaching. It is on Yom Kippur when atonement will be made for the nation of Israel. On Yom Kippur, atonement will be made for each individual person. It is Jewish tradition that the gates of heaven are open during the season of Teshuvah to receive the prayers of those who repent unto the God of Israel prior to Yom Kippur. The final service of Yom Kippur is called Nila. Nila is the closing of the gate. And at the conclusion of Nila of the Yom Kippur service, the rabbis teach that at that point, the gates of heaven are closed. At this point in time, it is symbolically seen that it is too late during the season of Teshuvah for the God of Israel to receive the cries of his people to repent because the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, has just passed. These are rehearsals, right? So this is teaching us there's going to be a time in the future that it's going to be too late to say, I believe that you are the Messiah, that we have to do it before that ultimate day. The prophetic application of the Days of Awe is that they are associated with the Tribulation Period or Jacob's Trouble. The Fall Festivals will teach about the Second Coming of Yeshua as the Messiah ben David or the kingly Messiah. Prophetically, the days of Awe teach about what is known in Jewish
Jewish thought as the Hevle Shel Mashiach or the birth pangs of the Messiah. Traditional Christianity calls it the tribulation period. The days of awe will focus themselves on the events that are happening in the land of Israel and the controversy over the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Jacob's trouble is mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 4 through 7 as it is written. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus says the Lord, We've heard a voice of trembling. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the themes of the Feast of Trumpets. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.